What's going on, guys? Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of the Forward Frogus Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Pardee, and today we're going to be recapping all the Week 12 action and then getting into the Bills-Patriots Thursday night football matchup on this upcoming week. Let's get right on into it. All right, first game up, we got the Texans at the Dolphins. Dolphins winning 30-15, to 15, uh, covering and winning like I predicted. And, yeah, this was a much bigger blowout than what it was, 30 to nothing at half. And Dolphins just kind of cruised in the second half. Um, and, yeah, Kyle Allen was just at this game. Uh, first half, he could do just absolutely nothing, just short passes, dump-offs, not hitting anything downfield. And he had multiple ducks throughout the entire game where – like when he was under pressure, it was just easy picking for the Dolphins defense. Uh, the only Texans takeaways I have, like offensively at least, that are positive is I think Nico Collins is looking more and more each week like a low end number one, high end number two type that really could be unlocked by Bryce Young next year. Um, and if they don't get Bryce Young, then that's a tragedy at this point. And also Aikens had a really nice day at tight end, um, good security blanket for the future too, running around and through the defense for that touchdown in the second half. And then for the Dolphins, this is just exactly what a Super Bowl caliber team should do for the, like against the favorites for the number one overall pick. They were just out there having fun and went up 30 to nothing. Was it all pretty? No. I thought Tua got pretty lucky on a couple throws. He was off, um, could have been picked off definitely. But then he threw like a seed to River Craycraft um, up the seam, a nice second level pass a couple times to Waddle and Hill. Like, yeah, he wasn't perfect this game, but also like I feel like he was just kind of like, okay, let's see if I could do this because the Texans were going against. Uh, the offensive line was good until Tron Armstead went down with injury. And luckily, it's not looking like this is going to cost him too much time. But after that, the Texans were really able to get some pressure in with what hasn't been the most impressive group of pass rushers. And with Armstead's already shaky injury resume, that could be pretty concerning, honestly, if him or someone else goes down um, in the playoffs facing much better pass rushes than the Texans. Dolphins are a Super Bowl quality team. Like, that much is clear by now. And if one person, though, goes down on offense, like, how quickly does this crumble without Tyreek Hill, without Jalen Waddle? We saw already it crumble without Tua. We just saw it crumble without um, Armstead, so they just gotta they gotta make sure that they stay healthy throughout this run. Then we got the Ravens at the Jags. Um, Jags with the come from behind two point victory or two point conversion to take the one point win, 28-27. Uh, I picked the Ravens to cover and win, so yeah, I was wrong. And what a comeback win for the Jags! This was Trevor Lawrence's first real signature moments, and hopefully for Jags fans, it's his first of many. He was really on point at the end of this one, having a nice connection with Zay Jones all day, and then that perfect throw to Marvin Jones for a touchdown. Jamaco Hasty also really stepped up at running back with ETN going down early, and he played especially well at receiver, making pretty huge plays out of the backfield. And then for the Ravens, how many more double-digit fourth-quarter leads are we going to see blown? I've been holding out that this offense would eventually work, and it could work, but now I just don't think so. Teams are not afraid of the Ravens' passing attacks, and the Ravens can't take advantage of that. Um, they run when everyone in the stadium knows and can't convert in the red zone. Their receivers, like even Mike Andrews, he he drops balls like at least like once a game, it feels like at this point. They had three red zone field goals this game. 
I don't know if there's an answer this season unless they magically win the Odell sweepstakes, which it doesn't even feel like they're in right now. The Ravens have pieces that suggest they should be a Super Bowl contender, and I think Lamar is that guy and deserves to be paid so, but they can't pass the ball. I don't put that fully on him, but yeah, he does have a couple of missed throws a game, and they keep blowing these big leads, not able to hold on to the ball and sustain drive through the run game either. They... I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl quality team if they even make the playoffs at this point. Then we have the Bears at the Jets. Jets blowing them out 31-10, to 10, um, covering and winning like I predicted. And yeah, okay, my quiet, I see you. 300 yards, three touchdowns, and playing really good. He didn't look like a backup. And if this is who the like who he is, then the Jets might have something cooking here where they can win at least like a playoff game. He was getting his receivers more involved. The whole vibe of the offense was just better, which I think is like, honestly, like you want to be out there having fun, playing good. You don't want to be stressed about like making a mistake that's going to cost you the game. Like when the vibes are up, your play is going to be up. I fully believe in that. And they also got Zonovan White and Ty Johnson both involved this week with Michael Carter getting injured. And they worked too. Um, This felt like more the offense that, we said they had the potential to become heading into this year if Wilson is good. But apparently all it took was Wilson being so bad that Mike White had to come in and unlock it. And for the Bears, like, honestly, what did you expect? Their defense is bad. We knew that. And with Jackson going down, with Brisker and Gordon already out, this just wasn't a pretty game. Without Fields, they couldn't do much offensively either. Montgomery had a nice day rushing, but playing from behind most of the day, that limited his carries. And Simeon... They don't really do much, not positive, not negative, just kind of like making a bunch of short throws to receivers and got bailed out on a couple contested catches from Byron Pringle, of all people. And then Chase Claypool hit a real nice catch on Sauce Gardner. Um, Didn't really do anything the rest of the game, but like that one catch to do that on Sauce is like, okay, but got to be more consistent. Uh, this season is over for them. Best you can hope for right now is to end up with the number two overall pick, draft uh, Carter or Anderson or someone else. Or even trade out of number two, get a King's Ransom for, like, get the Lions' first two picks, you know, something like that. Then we have the Bengals at the Titans. Bengals winning 20-16. to 16. I picked the Titans to cover and win, so wrong there. Uh, the Titans have built their brand on being a physical team, but they really got out physical by the Bengals. On offense, they did a pretty good job protecting Tannehill, considering that the Bengals do have a pretty good pass rush. But they couldn't get uh, Henry going on at all, once again. Being held at 38 yards, 2.2 yards per carry. They were able to do a bit of stuff with him in the receiving game, looking good on checkdowns and finding space on a big screen where he did end up fumbling it. But the offensive line couldn't create holes and let him gain a head of steam, which is where he truly thrives. Like, get him going vertical, and then boom, he's going to take off for a huge gain. And while the, pa- the Titans had a nice game passing the ball against the Packers, it really came back down to earth here versus the Bengals outside of a screen to Henry and Traylon Burks just mossing a Bengal defender and for this Bengals like what was that offensive line we just saw last time these teams played the Bengals won despite their app their offensive line getting absolutely whooped but this game the Bengals offensive line is the one that did the whooping P Ryan almost never went backwards no real big plays but just consistent three to five yards Burrow had all day in the pocket and give him that much time he'll find someone open or he'll make plays with his legs which he's been doing more and more each week and that's just exactly what he did the the Bengals aren't healthy right now missing chase and mixon and 
The Titans honestly are lucky because if those two played in this game, I feel like this would have been a major blowout. Then we have the Falcons at the Commanders. Uh, Commanders winning 19 to 13. I picked the Commanders to win, but the Falcons to still cover, so bit off in that regards. I feel like this is what football looked back in my dad's youth. Uh, both teams dominated the line of scrimmage on offense, each leaning into this run the ball, play defense mentality, and putting up over 150 yards on the ground. The Falcons were able to generate more explosive runs. Mariota looked real good on keepers, and they were creating all kinds of space for Patterson and Algier, but they couldn't get anything going through the air, which really hurt them. Zacchaeus, he had the best game of his year, but without Pitts, defenses aren't worried about this passing attack. And that makes it a lot easier for them to play this bend-don't-break style that leads to 13 points and a lot of field goals. And the Commanders were also able to dominate on the ground. Robinson had his first 100-yard game looking real good, just continually going forward. So as I said, not really too many explosive plays, but just consistency. But also, just like the Falcons, they couldn't really do much through the air. But I feel like that was more on Heineke than the receivers. Heineke just had a real boring day. Not really taking a shot plays like he typically does. And on the one he did try, it went straight to Michael Walker. It genuinely feels like the, the commander's strategy is to have Heineke play safe against what they view as like lower tiered opponents, like teams that they're favored against, like the Falcons. And then have him go balls to the walls, YOLO, when they feel like they're the underdog to be like, okay, maybe we, we can create some explosive plays and like we can somehow pull this off. And honestly, it's working, so I can't even blame them. I was disappointed by the defensive line today, though. But Allen, Payne, and Sweat still made at least like one big play each, including Payne tipping the ball on the game-winning interception. I don't think the Commanders are serious Super Bowl threats, but they very much can sneak into the playoffs and catch some fire to play some spoiler. They made the Broncos at the Panthers, a uh, 23-10 win for the Panthers, covered in win just like I picked. Dude, the Broncos are just depressing right now, like... It's so funny, but it's also sad, man. Their offense couldn't move the ball all day and then finally started to get some stuff going in the fourth quarter when Russ was actually targeting downfield. And then on the final drive, all he tried were moon balls that went to no one. This offensive line was getting worked all day in pass protection, which definitely didn't help, but the Broncos were able to find some success on the ground, having 7.1 yards per carry for uh, Latavius Murray, 6.4 yards per carry as a team. This game was low scoring enough where I thought they really could have leaned into that more early on, but instead they just wanted Russ to throw it away or throw it short of the sticks over and over again for whatever reason. And for the Panthers, they won by two scores, but really they were just fine. The defense was awesome, I'll have to give it to them, but at this point it would be concerning if your defense was less than stellar against the Broncos. And for their offense, they kind of just did enough. Darnold wasn't bad, but he also wasn't good. I was really excited to watch this game because I've liked Sam Darnold, like his potential. Obviously, I've been like, what he's shown because he hasn't been that good, but I've always thought there's something in him to be unlocked, and I was ready to give up on him. But now he's the start again. I was like, okay, maybe he, he can do something. Uh, definitely a tough draw going against the Broncos defense, but he he was just like, okay, fine. He had all day in the pocket. So that helped a lot, finding open receivers. And many times, though, he, I thought he was getting there a bit late with the ball. But these receivers were getting open against this Broncos defense, so it didn't even really matter. DJ Moore had a nice day, 103 yards and a touchdown going against Patrick Um But really, they just relied on their ground game, which wasn't like explosively dominant, but it was consistent, which allowed the 
Panthers to dominate the time of possession, controlling the ball for over 14 more minutes than the Broncos, and then Darnold going to F things up when asked to throw. I don't know how many games they will win this way, and by trying to test, and then by trying to stay competitive in a weak NFC South, it looks like that they've played their way out of the quarterback draft sweepstake. So at this point, I'm kind of excited to watch them play, and I think it would be pretty chaotic and funny if Sam Darnold was able to lead them to the playoffs with an 8-9 record or something ridiculous like that. So that's kind of what I'm cheering for. Then we have the Bucks at the Browns. The Browns winning 23-17 to in overtime. Um, I was wrong. I picked the Bucks to cover and win, but this was a huge one for the Browns. I doubt they'll be able to, but with Deshaun Watson coming back, they can go undefeated and finish 10-7. and And if they keep playing like this, they realistically could. Merson looks great at outside quarter for a rookie. Um, honestly, he was better than Ward at this game, just locking down Mike Evans all day. Brady kept trying to take advantage of him, but Evans ended up only finishing with two catches for 31 yards on nine targets, and I'm pretty sure those catches weren't even against Emerson in coverage. They still definitely have to work on this run defense. They gave up 4.8 yards per carry to the freaking Bucks, but they did have less than 100 yards on the ground because the Bucks ran it 20 times as opposed to 46 dropbacks with 45-year-old Tom Brady. <laughs> and yeah, the Bucks are just too one-dimensional. And that one dimension is not as good as it was in the past. The core of Evans, Godwin, and Julio are nowhere near as good as we thought they'd be, and Brady just kind of fell off in the second half of this game. I thought he looked good in the first half. He had this beautiful second-level throw to Godwin running the post, but in the second half, the Bucks really couldn't do anything, and Brady missed a good amount of open throws once again. I don't know if it's miscommunication with his receivers or him just being inaccurate suddenly, or maybe a bit of both. But this is no longer working with Brady, and even if they do sneak into the playoffs, I don't think they can go on a run anymore, which feels blasphemous to say about a Tom Brady-led team, but that's where we're at with this at this point. Uh, then we have the Raiders at the Seahawks. The Raiders winning 40-36 to in overtime. Um, I picked the Seahawks to cover and win, so wrong by me once again. <laughs> I did not expect that to see a game where the Raiders were able to dominate the line of scrimmage this year, but that's really what we got from this one. Josh Jacobs was absolutely incredible. Mr. 300 breaking tackles all day. But this offensive line really set him up well. Especially on that game winner. All he had to do was hit the hole provided from him. And like the safety took a bad angle. So it was pay dirt for him. And this offensive line killed it in pass protection too. Giving Carr all day. And when he has time, Carr is still a good quarterback. Like yeah, he had those two picks. First one, Adams wasn't looking for the ball. Should have been caught if he stuck his hands out. Uh, second one was an incredible play by Kobe Cody Barton. Uh, go full extend on Foster Moreau, tip the ball up in the air, and it tips straight to Quandre Diggs. So, like, not something 100% going to play him before. Like, yeah, it was a contested catch. But still, like, you don't expect a pick out of that situation where he placed that ball. Um, really, really solid day all around for the Raiders offense. And then they were able to dominate the Seahawks offensive line with their defensive line. Kenneth Walker had two nice runs all game, a 12-yard and a 14-yarder that both went for touchdowns. Outside of that, he had zero net yards on the ground. And while they weren't able to consistently get pressure on Geno, um, Max Crosby and Andrew Billings were both able to be disruptive and big in big moments. However, it wasn't all bad for the Seahawks. Obviously, they were this close to winning this game. 
Tariq Woolen was locked down on his side of the field, allowing one catch for 20 yards, but still good game for him. And Diggs came away with his first two picks of the season. Gino was up and down today, only ending up with one pick, but had a couple more that probably should have been taken away. But he also had a couple really nice throws to DK and Lockett. They kind of had a weird ball distribution, I thought. Eight different players had a catch, but DK was like by far the most targeted. Uh, 15 targets on 11 catches, Lockett being the next closest with three catches on seven targets. Against a poor Raiders defense, I'm surprised they didn't kind of like distribute it around more, take advantage of matchups. But to be fair, they were still able to put up 36 doing this, and you expect to win on that. However, this is a rough game to drop for them. Now it's 6-5. and five. They're on the outside looking in uh, for the playoffs, and Kansas City and San Francisco are both on, on their schedule. Uh, then we have the Chargers at the Cardinals. Chargers winning a close one, also on a two-point conversion win, 25-24. Uh, to 24. Winning, but not covering like I picked. This was, though, like one of the funnest games to watch, I thought. Starting off on the Cardinals side, they really got the ground game going in this one. Connors and Kyler both popped off, and it felt like the Chargers really just refused to spy Murray, which was weird. The Chargers, though, did get a, uh, do pretty good against the Cardinals wide receivers. In Marquise Brown's return, I thought he was going to, like, I thought with Brown and Hollywood both out there, or Hollywood and D-Hop both out there, I thought the, the Cardinals offense would finally wake up but they were able to hold Murray to under 200 passing yards and the Cardinals inability to hold onto the ball and put the game away at the end was pretty concerning with how much talent they have on offense, especially with their receiving core. This offense is far too disappointing for Kingsbury to remain at the helm much longer. Like, like how many more second half collapses, um, blown leads, just disappointing seasons are we going to see where we're like, this should be working better than it is. And we all know the problem. And yet you just gave him a big extension. So maybe he will stay for a while. On the other side of the ball, Herbert and his passing offense was amazing. It was still a bunch of short stuff. I do want to see them go deep a lot more, but Herbert was great at finding open receivers and distributing four players having 49 or more yards. But it was also crazy how little they ran it against the Cardinals. Herbert had a couple nice scrambles and designed runs, but the running backs were held to nine carries for 27 yards. I know the rushing game obviously isn't as important as the passing game in the modern NFL, but I think it's kind of making a comeback right now, and it could be tough for this team to win games, put games away in the future if they are so one-dimensional. Then we have the Saints at the Niners. Niners winning 13 to nothing. Um, wow. I picked the Niners to win. I thought the Saints would at least do something and cover. It's like all they needed to do was score one touchdown, two field goals. They would have covered this one. But is it time to give the Niners the crown for the best defense in the league? Like, why not? Four straight games with zero points in the second half. Six straight quarters of shutout against offenses who can put up points. Like, the Cardinals and the Saints aren't just, like, bumps on offense. They're just... The Niners defense, that is, is just incredible. And this was without Nick Bosa really having a dominant game. Like, he definitely came up huge late. But it's not like the Niners just have a bunch of stars that make plays. It's the whole unit working together, you know. And I would be very surprised if the Niners managed to keep D'Amico Ryans this season. They were just all over everything the Saints tried to do. Not giving up anything over the top. These defensive backs and linebackers did a really great job at rallying to these short throws that the Saints kept trying to get and making quick tackles. It was also nice for them definitely to get Samson Ebukam back. He looked good after missing the past couple weeks with an injury. 
Offensively, though, they went back into the hole. Like, I kind of felt like they would. Like, the, the Niners don't have multiple good offensive days in a row. The Jimmy, he did not play good, missing a bunch of those and got lucky on an ugly interception that was negated by a pretty questionable illegal contact that was elsewhere, too. And they couldn't really run the ball. Both Mitchell and McCaffrey got banged up this game. Mason did look decent at the end, closing it out with a couple nice runs, though. Um, I love the way this team is constructed, and I think they should be up there to represent the NFC North in the Super Bowl, or the NFC in the Super Bowl, not the NFC North. But with how consistent this offense is, it scares me that they'll hit a lull like this in the playoffs and end up losing a game that they frankly shouldn't. And luckily for the Saints, the NFC South is so bad that they're still right in this thing for the division. They can't put up another goose egg like this, though. This offensive line didn't play terribly in pass protection, considering they faced the Niners. But they definitely struggled to run the ball with Kamara, who also had two uncharacteristic fumbles in this game. I thought Dalton had a decent game. He had two passes in the red zone that... Hit, hit his man either in the face mask or in the hands um if either of those two were caught that's a 14-13 game plus Kamara he fumbled at the goal line too that's another touchdown taken off the board although I, I feel like if that did happen the Niners would have been more aggressive and still come on top but the Saints were just leaving points on the board man I like Olave and Shahid, but it's really tough to win games with two rookies as your top receivers who aren't just like Randy Moss as a rookie or something, you know, especially with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So while I didn't expect them to get shut out, it definitely makes sense why this offense did stutter against what's probably the league's best defense. Then we have the Rams at the Chiefs, a 26 to 10 win for the Chiefs, covering and winning like I predicted. But I was just worried that the Chiefs wouldn't end up covering this one. That late pick let them kick the field goal to get over that 15 and a half point spread. But still, this was kind of concerning for the Chiefs, I thought. They were really unable to punch it in the red zone for the first time all year. They really tried to establish a run down there. Uh, it just wasn't working. Credit to the Rams. They really stepped up, constantly getting pressure, and Ramsey had a couple key breakups in the end zone. But it was just weird to see the Chiefs struggle in the red zone for the first time all year. And I wonder if they showed anything that opposing defenses will be like, oh, yes, this is how we stop them in the red zone. Or if it was just kind of like, okay, we're 15 and a half point favorites facing a third string quarterback. Let's try a couple new things in the red zone. Like we don't need to show other teams what we plan on doing actually, but maybe like also we can find like, oh, Isaiah Pacheco is really good in the red zone. And the Rams, they had a serious shot in this game because of their bend don't break defense. But also they didn't because they couldn't move the ball at all with Bryce Perkins. They didn't take any deep shots with their backup quarterback. Just constantly little hitches and drags, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's what happens with a backup quarterback. Your top two receivers out. Um, the running game was a bit better than normal. But obviously you can't keep up with the Chiefs by just running it. The Rams have zero hope like for this season. And their future feels extremely bleak. Like um, They're also like... I call the Broncos depressing. The Broncos are depressing, but it's also kind of funny. Like all the memes, the Rams are just flat out depressing now. But hey, at least they won a Super Bowl. <laughs> then we have the Sunday night matchup of the Packers at the Eagles. Eagles coming out on top of this one, 40 to 33, covering and winning. I picked the Packers to cover. Eagles win, so it was off in that one. 
But the Eagles just absolutely dominated on the ground. 363 yards, three touchdowns. It was just the perfect combination of amazing rushing offense versus a terrible run defense. Their blocking was just phenomenal, uh, springing out big runs left and right. Quay Walker or whoever else was spying just could not keep up with Hurts rolling out. And they did just enough through the air to keep the Packers on the toes. It just felt like the Packers were unable to stop them no matter what they tried. Just crazy because personnel-wise, I thought this was going to be one of the top defenses in the league. But honestly, they're like the opposite right now. But the Packers were able to get theirs offensively too. Uh, they couldn't lean on their ground game, playing from behind most of the second half, but still topped 100 yards and 5 yards per carry. Through the air, Rodgers was clearly dealing with pain through the game before being pulled, but while he was in there, he still made some plays. Like, yeah, he had a couple missed throws, but he's able to find, like, Jones in the back of the t- end zone for a uh, touchdown on the scramble drill. And while the first pick definitely was his fault, Slay was all over that route. He clearly was expecting Davis to run his post a lot shallower, expecting him to be the one to undercut Blankenship, not the other way around. Um, But I do want to shout out Blankenship, Reed Blankenship, the rookie free agent, um, undrafted safety, who stepped up in place of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson this game when he went down with injuries. And he had a really good day for his first real time getting action in the NFL. And then also someone with a good day. I thought Love looked good when he came in. Obviously, he couldn't execute the very improbable comeback, but he was accurate with his throws. And I liked the command of where he was placing the footballs. Like he was, he had pinpoint accuracy in this one, hitting Jones on the back shoulder, which was dropped, not, not Love's fault, obviously. And then he threw one throw, like uh, one of his most impressive throws I thought was on a little crosser to Lazard. He put it on like his backside, like Lazard had to reach back and get it, but that's because he was layering it between, um, I believe it was Slade coming up from over top and a linebacker underneath he wanted to make sure that neither of them could undercut it so he put it just in the perfect spot where only lazard could get it obviously you want rogers out there but love might be the starter here or somewhere else if he ends up getting traded next year and based off what he showed last night like there's a chance he's improved it could be a pretty good one at that then we have the steelers at the colts uh steelers coming out on top 24 17 covering and winning like i picked I want to start off with the Colts on this one. They were just terrible on offense in the first half. Ryan with the bad pick, really unable to do anything through the air. And while Jonathan Taylor looked good, he couldn't really spring any big runs, just getting a consistent five. And then they came out in the second half and looked much better off the backs of um, Dallas Flowers, big kick return. And scoring a touchdown quickly after that. Um, They also really got Jelani Woods, the rookie tight end, involved. And Pittman, he got going in the second half, too. And really, they were a bad, fumbled handoff away from putting up 21 in the second half and making this, like, a tie game. But at the end of the day, they really just fumbled it away, playing so chaotically when they had timeouts. Like, they could have, like, called a timeout, taken a breather, been like, okay, let's set up this next play. We have plenty of time. But instead, they opted to hurry up, save their timeouts in case they gave the ball back to the defense and yeah taking a sack and allowing inviting pressure to come in and disrupt that fourth down play just really ugly sequence there at the end but definitely credit to the Pittsburgh defense they really didn't allow any big plays through the air other than a couple of nice Pittman catches and then offensively they did enough to win without their top two backs after Najee went out 
However, I felt like this wasn't the best day for Pickett. I mean, like a lot of a lot of people are saying this was one of his best games. I didn't think so. He was missing a couple throws in the second half. Like he wasn't terrible. It's not like he was putting the ball in harm's way, and I don't think he was like necessarily bad, but I just was a bit concerned by his accuracy this game. He just had a good amount of throws that had to be scooped up off the ground or that were just too low to even be scooped. Um, yeah, just a, a tiny bit off all day. And it's like, okay, like, your thing's supposed to be, like, accuracy, poise, precision, stuff like that. Um, he finished clean with no picks, but also no touchdowns, 174 yards. Just he, he was fine out there. You know, he looked like a rookie for sure, I thought. Shout out, though, to Benny Snell Jr., who really stepped up without Warren and Ben Harris going down. He notoriously bad athlete for the running back position, but he made up for it this game, showing some real nice vision and power, uh, proving that he can definitely at least compete in a rotation, which, like, yeah, good for him. All right, so that puts me on the week for 12 and 4 straight up, 6 and 10 against the spread. Overall, I am now 108, 71, and 1 uh, straight up. 80, 93, and 7 against the spread. All right. And then for Thursday night football, we have the Bills going to the Patriots. Uh, Bills four-point favorites. And despite the Bills winning on Thanksgiving and the Patriots losing, it kind of feels like the vibes are now opposite around these teams. The Bills squeaked out a narrow victory over the Lions as injuries continued to mound, while the Patriots were in a hard-fought battle where Justin Jefferson took over. And Mac, though, he looked like himself again. Can Mac Jones now stay hot against a Bills team that just lost Von Miller and then their solid rookie cornerback, Chris Benford? Um, at the same time, though, you got to think about the people coming back from the Bills, though. They got Trey White back last week. Um, he should see a full return to action this week. Gregory Russo, um, AJ Epinesa, they should both be back to boost this pass rush. And most importantly, Josh Allen, he's back to being a full participant in practice. And if his UCL injury is better... We'll see if he is back to be the Josh Allen we all know and love that we've seen for the past year and a half become the one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Or are these turnovers, these mental mistakes back with or without this injury? I also want to see how this Patriots pass defense responds after just getting roasted by Justin Jefferson. Now facing Stephon Diggs, they're going to have the same struggles. Are they going to be able to get revenge and be like, hey, we can't take away the number one option? Or are they going to let another receiver take over a game? Josh Allen truly is healthy. I think Stephon Diggs could just absolutely go off. And I'm not fully bought back into Mac being back yet. I want to see it at least for one more week, you know. Um, so I am going to pick the Bills to cover and win. And that's going to do it for today's episode. If you're on YouTube, let me know. Uh, give me your pick for the Thursday Night Football matchup. And let me know how your picks went for this week. If you're also on YouTube, leave a like, subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you might be listening to this. Leave a five-star review. Go tell your friends about this podcast. Help me spread it. Get it out there. And yeah, I'll see you all next time.